Hello, everybody. Good afternoon. We're live on the Can Do Podcast today with uh, Jillian O'Neill. Jillian, how are you doing today? Hello. I am doing well, thank you. It's so good to be here. It's great to have you on, guys. We got to, you know, Jillian is incredible, number one. She's got the greatest smile in the world, beautiful eyes. She's fired up. She's a personal trainer, a dietitian, a life coach, a dog lover a people lover, a restaurant lover, a life lover. We're just excited to have her energy on, her smile on, her passion. Jillian, thanks for coming on again. And just tell our audience a little bit about what you do and how you got into the field that you did of personal training, dietitian, and just helping people live their the best version of themselves. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's first and foremost, it's an honor to be on here. I'm so excited to be able to share on your platform and help everybody live the life that they can do. And so I guess I'll start with, um, it's funny, I, I never actually pictured myself in the fitness space. I thought maybe I'd have a trainer at one point. I never pictured myself here and it's ironic that it's exactly where I meant to be. I started when I was an undergrad, um, I, I was a pre-health major and I pictured myself in the clinical world, maybe clocking in and out of the hospital. And throughout my undergraduate, graduate experience and then going to become a dietitian in, in a clinical setting, I realized that my passions really lied from the prevention side of healthcare rather than the treatment side of healthcare. Of course, I don't have anything against the treatment side of healthcare. There's always a time and a place for modern medicine, but I realized that I wanted to help people prevent diseases in the first place or prevent them from getting worse, as well as the relationship building side of, of healthcare and being able to help clients and human beings track their progress and track their wellness and see the long-term health picture and not just, you know, the short-term quick fix action. So throughout my studies and then my residency in the hospital, I realized that I really needed to reevaluate if I wanted to be in the clinical setting within the hospital healthcare system, or if I could still be clinical, but more hands-on in the field. And so one thing led to another. I actually was, um, hired by Equinox, if you're familiar with Equinox. To, Absolutely. Great, Jim. Yeah, to be a trainer and a dietitian. And that's where my first exposure in being a trainer was. I had all the book smarts and anatomy understanding for one of my undergraduate degrees, but I didn't have the exposure yet on how to apply it in the training in the gym world. And I thought it'd be cool to try out and just kind of try something new and see where it goes. And, you know, flash forward, um, almost six years, I'm definitely exactly where I'm, I'm meant to be with through Equinox and then growing my private practice. I've been able to help a variety of clients in a variety of different disease states and help them with their progress long term. There's been a few even women that I've been with from training and wanting to uh, get stronger for their wedding throughout that and then also through a couple pregnancies and now watching their kiddos grow up and so a lot can happen in six years, <laughs> but it is cool to see the progress. And that's, that's where I am today. That's awesome. Uh, tell me that first client that you had at Equinox and what was it like? Were you like, oh my God, I'm here. I'm doing it. This is awesome. It, it was definitely a life plot twist. That's for sure. I grew up in a huge Italian family on both sides. My mom and my dad both have huge families. And so the idea of being in a space, having to talk to people, having to entertain somebody for a full hour didn't really scare me too much because I was like, okay, you know what? I do this at family parties and every Sunday dinner. So that part wasn't as shocking to me as it was like, okay, I'm book smart, but now this person just paid a lot of money and is trusting me to help them reach their goals. And I was like, oh my God, what a crazy situation. And so um, <laughs> I am, you know, lucky and I will admit that I am a good student where if someone tells me, okay, this is how you're going to do it. This is the way to grow your business this is like the best approach. Um, I'll trust you and say, all right, let's do it. And so I was lucky to have really good mentors within um, the, the fitness space to be able to help me learn how to program and learn how to do more of those application and long-term skills when it comes to, to being a trainer. And so that first day when it hit, I was like, okay, here we go. And my first client, my first experience, I remember she bought a 24 package and I was expecting her to like buy a single session. And, um, I went to my boss and I was like, well, good news. 24 back. And he not, must have died. He must I know. Have been so excited. 
I, I really was. And I think that was like the butterfly warm feeling of like, you know what, this is really where I meant to be. And kind of reassured me that I'm glad I trusted my gut. And I actually wasn't offered a clinical position out of my residency. And, and I turned it down just because in my gut, it didn't feel like where I was meant to be. And in that moment, I had the, the butterflies, the warm and fuzzy feeling to really recognize, okay, this is, this is it. This is the start of my next chapter. Well, that's great. I'm really excited. One thing that I want to know, you've seen a lot of clients in your day. I'm sure the biggest thing is, the, well, tell me what is the underlying uh, goal of most of your clients? What, I mean, everybody wants to lose weight. Everybody wants to look like, uh, you know, the rock or as pretty as you or, you know, whatever. But what, what do you, what do you, what do you mostly see from your clients? Uh, and, and how do you get started? We always ask about that. And, you know, what's kind of your baseline or how, how would you, like, say I came to your gym, what kind of questions would you ask? You know, what are things to look for? You know, talk about that, just getting started, because the hardest thing to do is to get started. I'm always intrigued about when I have guests on how they got started and what advice they would give, because the, like I said, the hardest thing to do is to get started. And once you do, you're off like a freight train. And I use that a lot, but I think it's really important. To confirm, do you mean getting started when, when someone's new to getting started on their own health and wellness journey? Like if a oh, client's coming you, in. Like say Joe Smith comes in, you know, and, and you know, he says, you know, I, I want to get in better shape, Julian. I don't know where to start. It's so overwhelming. I may be 20 pounds overweight. I, you know, I've got some activity coming up or I got a health scare and I, you know, I'm basically, you know, light a fire under my butt. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. Know? That's a good question. So honestly, I think the, the most important thing from my perspective and from any coach's perspective is to treat each individual client with an individualized approach and acknowledge that just because two people may have the same goal or two people may have a similar like, you know, wellness aspirations, everybody has had a different experience from birth to where they are today. So everybody's at different starting positions. And it's really important to, from a coach perspective, to be able to teach your clients and from the clients to be able to understand that this is your own health and wellness journey. It's, it's so important to recognize that as a, you know, client, when you walk in your trainer and your dietitian is not a magician. We are just trainers. We are just dietitians and we are so like ready, willing, and able to help you reach those wellness goals, you got to trust the process. And so a lot of my clients, when they come in, you know, I would say majority of them do have body composition goals in mind, whether it's lose weight, increase muscle mass, even maintain muscle mass, depending upon their age. And so, uh, what I really start with when it comes to like the assessment and the questionnaire is to get as much data as I can from them in terms of like their health history, in terms of you know, what their overarching goals are, what a typical week looks like for them. Because the last thing that I want to do is go full throttle and come up with all these different recommendations. And it's not going to be applicable to that person's lifestyle. And so, you know, I could say, yeah, let's have, you know, five to seven, or maybe even more fruits and veggies a day and this amount of protein and go for a walk to get your 10,000 steps daily or to get some movement in. And that's just not realistic for everybody. And everybody's going to have a different lifestyle, different home responsibilities, different work and life responsibilities. So it's really important to make sure that from day one, the approach is as customized as possible. And then of course, as time goes on, you have to edit and adjust and, and make some updates as you go. Got it. That's, that's great advice. You know, what's the, you know, I've heard different stories about, you know, when you're, when you're trying to lose weight and work on your body composition, I, I've, you know, been told that 85% of it's diet and then the rest is exercise. Would you agree with the, you know, what is the mixture in your opinion of diet versus exercise? That's a good and talk question. About, yeah, talk about, sorry, I don't mean to cut you off. Talk about, you know, how important it is to eat healthy and, you know, you know the harmful effects of the things that we love, but aren't so good for us. That's a great question. So, we do see a lot, especially on social media, that 80, 20, 20 rule where it's like abs are made in the kitchen and, you know, 80% of your health outcome comes from your nutrition. I think it's important to really look, I don't really love the 80, 20 
vibe as much as I love looking at it from a pillar perspective. So if you kind of take a step back and think about three pillars with a board or, or your house on top, we have your activity, we have your movement, we have your exercise as one pillar. We have your nutrition, the food you put into your body, how you choose, you know, which food goes into your body. And then we also have the recovery, the sleep, the mindset aspect to your nutrition and health and wellness. And so regardless of what your outcome and what your health goals are, I think it's important to treat all three equally because let's say, you know, you are hundred percent perfect on your nutrition, but your movement and your sleep is poopy the nutrition is not going to outweigh the lack of quality movement or the lack of quality sleep or recovery or even mental health and mindset. So it's important to recognize that they're all equal. With that being said, and that's the fun but tricky part about my job is to be able to find where somebody is on that column or on that pillar and what it's going to take for them to reach that optimal potential. And so, you know, someone might come in and say, my nutrition's poop, but I sleep you know, I have a, I've had a great sleep routine since I was a kid and I meditate a couple of times a week or whatever the case may be. Um, and I, and I exercise and so, and I go for daily walks and so it's like, okay, you know, like, well then maybe we need to recognize that nutrition is, it's a low hanging fruit. That's your area of opportunity that we're going to focus on. So yeah, maybe 80, 20 is, is an appropriate recommendation because right now your nutrition is not doing so good compared to, let's say, um, or the alternative, like if someone has nutrition and movement in check, but their sleep is horrible. Okay. You know, like maybe 80% is actually going to be your sleep because if you're not giving your body the opportunity to recover and regenerate, then no matter how much, you know, organic quinoa you eat, you're not going to have the best health outcome. And so I like looking at those three pillars as the approach to wellness and, and making sure that we want to optimize as much as we can with those three, but without driving ourselves nuts. We are human, uh, regardless of your, your goal, whether it's, you know, extreme weight loss or muscle gain, or you want to run a marathon. It's super important to make sure that you don't lose your mental health in the process of figuring out what your movement, nutrition, and regeneration should look like. If you find that you're more stressed about your next meal than the actual impact that that next meal is going to have, we have to kind of reel it back and reevaluate here. It's important to recognize that if you focus so much on making sure nutrition is perfect, that you don't actually enjoy the food on your plate, then, then how valuable is that health goal really to you? Of course, you know, if our doctor tells us we're on, we're potentially, you know, like on the road of high cholesterol or diabetes or something like that. Absolutely. I think that you might need to be a little bit more conscious and a little bit more serious, but it's super important to recognize that if you take versus like the quick fix approach, if it takes you, you know, six to eight months to reach your wellness goals compared to like the two or three, but that six to eight is actually sustainable and it's long-term something that you can keep as part of your lifestyle moving forward. I would, I would, you know, encourage someone for that to be the plan of action rather than quick fixes that's not sustainable and that it's not really helpful for them. You know, I adopted the keto-based diet about three years ago by accident. I've never proclaimed myself to be a keto expert at all. I just know that the diets worked for me, you know, and I lost 65 pounds from my chair just by cutting out carbs and sugars. And it was, it all started for me because I got into the pool and my buddy who helped me in the pool was like, you know, we were doing some great things. I was walking in the pool, you know, I'm, I'm in a wheelchair. I have cerebral palsy, but I love life and I love to eat. I, you know, I, it's all good. And so we got in the pool and we started doing, doing some great things. And I said, Gabe, my buddy who helped me in the pool, I said, Gabe, I really want to dial in my weight. What do we need to do? He's like, Adam, we need to cut carbs and sugars. And for those listeners, thank you for allowing me to share my story for the thousandth time. I really appreciate it. But um, how did, and I always say that, that this, this lifestyle, it's not a diet, it's a lifestyle and you learn a new language. I literally had to teach myself how to do it. And yes, I had days where I didn't follow it and that's totally fine. But in the morning, I always reset my body you know, to really try and stay focused and disciplined. One of the things I wanted to ask you is how do we make foods that are healthy for us fun? Because the foods that aren't so great are fun, like the birthday cakes, the sugars, all that stuff. How do you, you know, how do you help your clients, you know, who need to, we all know we need to eat, right? But it's not as fun. So That's how a do great I, question. 
Go ahead. So this may be an unpopular opinion, but I'm going to tell well, you. Well, I want your opinion. My... It's unpopular. <laughs> I want it off. Listen, I, I want to learn, like, I, and then I have a question about sleep too. So yeah, talk, we'll talk about Sure. <laughs> So what I think is important, it kind of goes back to what I said about making sure that you don't lose your mental health in the process. Like, you know, if it's your birthday coming up or, you know, your nephew's birthday is coming up and, and he's going to have cake and that's part of the celebration. Yeah, absolutely. I like would encourage my clients to have the cake. I'm not, I, I think I'm a sucker for gelato. So if you put gelato in front of me, for sure, I'm eating that. And so it's, I think it's important to take a step back and look at like the big picture. You could even make a huge list, like, okay, write out all of your favorite foods. Like what are all your favorite foods? What are all your favorite veggies? Every category, write them out. Because sometimes when we think that we need to- That's a great get, idea. Sometimes when we need to get, when we think like, you know, we need to get rid of some quote, quote, I don't like this term, but quote, quote, bad foods. We, we like get so anxious about it. And then we start to crave those foods and then we end up eating more than we would have eaten in the first place. So I think if you kind of take a step back from a preventative approach and make a huge list of all of your favorite foods from every category, it really helps remind you that you do have lots of offerings right there in front of you that you can find, that, that you can find that you can enjoy because you know that you already like them, you wrote them down and it's your own list. And then when it comes to these special occasion foods, I think, you know, I always say everything in moderation, including moderation, because you know, like, let's say we have that special occasion birthday cake, or if someone wants to drink alcohol, or, you know, the gelato is put in front of me, and I'm going to eat it. I like to have the mindset where we focus on what can we add to our healthy lifestyle versus what can we take away. So let's say, you know, if I'm going to go out for pizza with friends, and I say, okay, you know, pizza, fresh New York pizza, it might be delicious, but I may not be getting all the nutrients that I need in that mealtime what can I add to make that meal a bit more nutritious rather than thinking I have to take away the pizza? So maybe, you know, some days if I want to eat the whole pizza, maybe I'll eat the whole pizza. But if I'm going to have maybe like, you know, one, two, maybe three slices, depending upon what my body needs, but I have a salad with it as my, I add some veggies on the side, or maybe I'll have a smoothie as part of my afternoon snack to make sure I'm getting in some more produce. I focus a lot more on what I can add versus what I can take away. And I think that that's, a huge area of opportunity for most people because as soon as we start to try to take things away our bodies immediately want to crave them immediately want them and then we do everything we possibly can and eat everything under the sun to avoid that one piece of cake or one scoop of ice cream and then at the end of the day you're still craving it and you're still probably going to eat the ice cream and the you know the cake and so while um it's something where you want to be mindful that yeah, you know, like these special occasion foods are meant to be special occasions. It's not meant that we can have cookies, cakes, and ice creams seven days a week, three times, three times a day. But if we can figure out, you know, what are some of those more special occasion foods, ones that we can enjoy, but less frequently, and then how can we add more nutrition to our day to make sure that we can um, still reach those over our overarching macro, micro, vitamins, minerals, phytonutrient goals. Great. There's great advice. I, I really love the, the list of foods that we like in the food food groups. Talk about, you know, we've talked a lot about diet. Talk about the extra exercise strategy and the approach that, that you use on your clients. And, you know, whether you're an expert uh, person who's in the gym every day or maybe once or twice a week or maybe getting started for the first time, talk about the importance of exercise and your approach to getting started in all levels, getting started moderate or advanced, I should say. Yeah, definitely. So I want to take it back to that three pillar approach like I talked about where it's the, your activity, your movement, eat the foods you put into your body, your nutrition, and then the sleep and the regeneration. And I think what's important to recognize is whenever you start any one of those three. And let me think of how I want to say this. When you start any of those three and they're new to you, I think we need to, the first step in the door, the first foot in the door needs to be to make sure we incorporate things that you actually enjoy. Because if from day one, as a trainer, someone comes to me and we're going to talk about your movement and I'm going to say, okay, you know, we're going to do burpees and runs and sprints and all this crazy shenanigans. 
and the person is crying inside, they're not going to want to stick to their wellness routine long-term. I mean, I don't even want to do burpees. So I'm not going to make anybody do that, but you're not going to stick to it. It's not going to be sustainable. And so what, then you burned an extra 200 calories in this workout for the sake of doing some burpees. And then now next week, you're scared to do any movement because you actually don't enjoy it. So, you know, first and foremost, I always say to make sure that you're doing something because you enjoy it not because you feel like it worked for Joe Schmo or because you feel like society is telling you you have to do it. And so I, I would, however, though, say, you know, in some capacity, however, it looks the most exciting to you. I do encourage strength training in any capacity, because as we age, we know that strength training can have a really strong benefit on our bone health, on our muscle health, um, even on our, on our longevity, you know, in, in mental health. And so I think uh, strength training is super important, but I've had clients that come in for strength training and they want to lift heavy because they want to, and they enjoy it, then yeah, we're going to do that. But if someone comes to me and they're like, I'm coming here to check off the box. I know it's healthy for my, my body and I need it, but I want to also enjoy my workouts too. So we'll do that. Maybe we don't have to go quote as intense, but we're still checking off the box that they want to accomplish and still getting value out of that strength training and, and picking weights up and putting them back down. Great. I, I love that, you know, picking activities that you enjoy doing. Do you, do you, I assume this, and I'm sorry for being, I assume you flat out ask your, your clients, what workouts do you like to do? Yeah, definitely. I also, I always ask my clients, what have they done in the past that they found works well for them? And what have they found that hasn't worked well? And then some people, you know, will come and say, I've never done anything. And so be it. We'll, we'll start from the baseline and figure out what you enjoy as these weeks, these first few weeks go on and, and I'll throw some stuff at you. And if you don't like it, let me know. And if you like it, let me know. And then we'll continue to customize the program as time goes on, incorporating more of things that you do like. Um, but if, if you come to me and you say, you know, I used to be a swimmer when I was younger and I love the water and I, so that I would encourage you, okay, let's have you get in the water, you know, one to two times a week for your cardio at, or more if you enjoy it. And making sure that while we are getting in the strength training or the things that are my job to ensure are needed for your body, I'm also going to make sure that we're I'm meeting in the middle with the things that you want to do as well. I just love the ethos of focusing the workout on what, what the client enjoys doing. Because if you enjoy it, it doesn't become work. It's like fun. Like you right. say the word swim to me and my face freaking lights up because I love the pool. I, yeah. I, I love the pool and it's not, I could be in there for hours, but I always say that I don't need to lift. I don't, what am I going to lift a thousand pounds for? I just got to be in that great cardio shape and everybody has certain goals. Um, talk about the, the goals that you're most excited about when you work with clients. What like is really like, you know, your wow. And you can state the obvious. Oh, I like to see my clients healthy or happy, but, but like, what is like, is there one or two clients that, that you, you know, you like, you really helped them, you know, like Gabe, my, my trainer, my buddy, he's like my sensei. Like, I, I don't know where I'd be without this guy. And he, he's literally changed my life. And I'm sure you've had that effect on so many clients, but if you could share that story, I love, I love people. And I love that human element about everything that we do in life you know, the selfless act of making people better and being a cheerleader for them. And that, that to me is the cherry on top. When we talk about food and, and life is just being a cheerleader for everyone. So talk about that. I don't really have a question. I just want to get your thoughts on, you know, that because you, I know that you've helped so many, so many people. Sure. I, well, first off, I'm so excited for you and happy for you that you found your trainer and, and your partner in crime when it comes to your wellness approach, because I think that is so important. There's clients that I've come that have come or been assigned to me or have reached out for me to help. And as much as, you know, this is a business, I also want to make sure that if I'm spending three to five hours per week with you, we got to make sure we're going to be, you know, cohesive and, and we get each other. And so I think it's super important to recognize that you need to find your own wellness person, whether it's a coach, a trainer, whatever it may be, finding someone that really vibes with you and your, and your lifestyle and, and how you want to, you know, live and, and enjoy your life because you're going to be spending a lot of time with this person. Definitely. And when it comes to some of my clients, I think my biggest, 
excitement when it comes to my career and, and being able to help people stems from the idea of helping them redefine wellness. It's it's a phrase that I like to say in my private practice of helping people redefine what wellness means to them. Because unfortunately, even you know, in the 80s, 90s magazines, there was so much misinformation and so much you know, shenanigans, let's say, that's been put out in the media, and it's only gotten worse the last 20, 30, 40 years. And a lot of people will come to me saying, oh, I know I need to do this, but I just don't want to do it. And then I'm like, why do you have to do that? Says who, you know? And so I think it's important to help clients debunk myths and recognize that their wellness journey is their wellness journey and not anybody else's. And so my biggest excitement would have to be when I see that big light bulb go off in their head and they recognize like, oh, wow, I can actually reach my wellness goals and doing X, Y, Z of what I enjoy compared to they came to me, you know, like, <laughs> like feeling like they were barely treading water, being able to feel like they have to just kick rocks to do whatever they have to do for their health and, and not realizing that it can be fun. It can be exciting. It can be challenging and frustrated, some frustrating sometimes, but, um, that, that it's really customized to them. And then also helping them understand, you know, the quote, it's not about the journey or sorry, sorry. It's not about the destination. It's about the journey. And so helping people realize that, you know, these quick fixes to lose weight or to gain weight or whatever the case may be is that if it happens overnight, your body doesn't really get to adapt. You don't really get to enjoy the outcome as much as that entire process. And, getting more in tune with your body and understanding your body's needs firsthand. So I think those two things are going to have to be my, my wins. You know what I love you talk about a lot is you, you use the word enjoy, like you got to enjoy what you do, what you eat, how you live. How do you, how do you help somebody find, and I guess you kind of answered it by creating activities that the person likes, but and maybe it's not just a question. I just like the, that you use the word enjoy and finding activities and things that you enjoy because if you, and we touched on it earlier, if you're doing things you like, it's not a job, it's not a task. It's like your body craves it just like food. Like right. We, you know, it's just really cool. Definitely. You know, I think there's so much in this world unfortunately, of things that we can't have control over. And there are so many things that are going to throw us, you know, slaps in the face and life plot twists along the way that it's so important to recognize what you do have control over and your own happiness, your own food on your plate, relative, you know, relatively speaking, regardless of your budget, being able to choose foods that you enjoy, as well as your movement and how you sleep and how you spend your time. And, you know, I know some people may say, oh, I don't have time. I've got like three kids and I'm running around crazy, but I think we can find those little moments in our day that do bring us joy and bring us that excitement. And when it comes to your, the food on your plate and how you move your body, those are things you can absolutely control. And I would encourage you to do so. If, if I were to tell you, you can only exercise by X, Y, and Z, and you can only eat by X, Y, and Z, that's not fun, nor is it actually even clinically proven to be helpful. <laughs> so uh, we do have some general recommendations when it comes to guidelines, but they're always meant to be guidelines and, and they should really always be customized to your needs. So definitely 100% prioritize things you enjoy over anything else. When I say the word wellness to you, Julian, what does that mean? I think wellness is all encompassing in terms of definitely your mental health and your state of being because you can have you know the perfect meal plan you could have the perfect exercise plan air quote perfect and you know the the best sleep schedule but if you are not mentally and spiritually let's say you know enjoying your life and having good vibes and I don't think you have good wellness and so when it comes to wellness I think it is all encompassing. Of course, fitness and nutrition go hand in hand within the wellness component, but I think it's taken beyond just the factual, you know, lab data from a doctor's office. I think it's taken beyond that into more of like a lifestyle uh, approach. 
Got it. I want to talk about mental wellness because I think that's absolutely critical. That's the most critical thing because the mind is the most powerful part in your, of our body. And we've been through a pandemic where nobody, nobody anticipated the mental impact that this, this pandemic has had. And I've always said that the mental challenges that this pandemic has brought, and this is no like taking away from the virus itself, that to me, in my opinion, has been the biggest challenge for people and myself who love people and love to get out there and to have that be taken away or put on hold and be, you know, and, and that's okay with your dog in the background, it's totally fine. Um, I was like, oh no, he's home. You know, um, talk about the importance of mental, uh, um, of mental wellness. It states the obvious, but how do we get out of the funk when we're in, we're in that funk? What what ideas, what thoughts do you, you know, because it's tough. It's very hard. Yeah, it is tough. You know, I don't want to sound like a broken record saying make a list. Yes. But I find with a lot of my clients, making a list of foods you actually enjoy, movement you like to do, how you like to sleep, and, you know, what are some of your favorite things that actually bring you joy? I always think of the Marie Kondo, the spark, does it spark joy when you're cleaning your house and, you know, decluttering the clothes in your closet? I I think when it comes to mental health, the same rules can apply and the same approach can happen because if you can figure out and make a list, whether it's a mental list, write it down, digital list, however it works for you, of things that actually make you happy, when we have those more challenging days, I think it's helpful for myself and for a lot of clients that I've worked with to reference that list. Like, you know, you wake up and you're like, oh, I'm kind of in like a poopy mood and that's okay. You know, it's okay to not be okay. We talk about that all the time. It's okay to have those more challenging days. But I do think that if we can come across one thing in one small act, doesn't have to be super big, of something that can actually bring you enjoyment and good vibes and positivity into your life on the daily perspective, I think that is a key that a lot of people don't recognize. When it comes to mental health, especially in the pandemic, I mean, we were twiddling our thumbs for months. They're like, okay, what's going to happen today? What's going to happen next? And we had no choice but to turn to say, okay, how am I going to connect with my family and friends that I can't see them? You know what? For me personally, I found that FaceTiming, even if it was for a couple of minutes, just seeing someone's face and having an actual conversation compared to texting was a deal breaker for me. And so finding those little things that actually do spark that joy in you, things that do bring you even one ounce of happiness, making sure that you get that at least once a day. And depending upon the activity, I'm a, I'm a big planner and I'm a big calendar person. I always say, put it in your calendar. If your boss were to come to you and say, you know, hey, or if my boss were to come to me and say, hey, Jillian, I need you to meet with this person to talk to them about this. I wouldn't think twice about it. So why can't you be the boss of your own life? Why can't you put that in your calendar and say, this is going to be the hour that I intentionally do something that I enjoy. Nothing else will matter if your mental health goes down. Mental health, you know, physical health, that all is so important. And I think finding opportunities and ways for you to get that, you know, good vibes, positivity to come into your life is going to be a non-negotiable and will never be regretted. I think that is absolutely incredible advice. Share to the audience and listeners, what makes you, what gives you the most ha happy or what brings you the most joy? Oh, that's a tough one. I would probably have to say my fur babies. I have two. Talk about your fur. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, Owen and Nala. Owen is just over two and Nala is a year and a half. Uh, They're both rescued through Rescue Dogs Rock. Owen came from Texas and Nala came from South Carolina. And I am not a human mom yet, but being a fur baby mom <laughs> has definitely opened up, you know, my eyes in terms of being able to give, give unconditional love to someone or something. Um, and they have to take it. You know, I brought them into this house. I can kick them out. No, right. I'm just kidding. But um, they are really, you know, something that I find when no matter how crazy and let's be real, crossing the street in New York City is crazy enough. So <laughs> that's just part of the stress of the day. But coming home, knowing that the two of them are here and are going to show me love regardless of what kind of day I had is always... It's always a, uh, a good, a good one. And Owen is, he's cute. Just to kind of give you a little personality is on them. Owen is cute. He's very calm, reserved. When he was a puppy, he used to go get his uh, bone, bring it to the couch, chew it, bring it back, get a new bone. 
And Nala is the exact opposite. She is a firecracker. She is crazy girl. Um, it, when she's not trying to eat your own food or steal your treats, she's exploring the <laughs> apartment and climbing up on the table. She has tiger stripes. Um, and so we were promised she is a canine. She's not a feline, but she definitely acts like a cat. She will get into anything and everything she can get into. So um, she gives you some good laughs. That's for sure. Pets are awesome. Dogs are great. Pets in general, like I just said, are, are awesome. And they, they, they're, that unconditional love is so fun and so cool. And it's just like they, they can't not bring a smile to your face. I mean, it's just, yeah, it's magical. Um, in closing, I could chat with you all day, uh, Dylan. Number one, how do how do people get a hold of you? You you've been so insightful. I I love that you talk about finding things that you enjoy to do and piggyback on that, creating lists. There is one thing, and I don't mean to jump around. There's one topic I want to discuss more in detail because I find this challenging with me. You know, being a founder of a company, there's there's a gazillion things going on. My mind runs like crazy. I'm always thinking, oh my God, I missed this day. Oh, I, you know, I got to do this. I got to do that. I got to, you know, I'm driving myself literally nuts. How do you deal with sleep? Because I've had a harder time sleeping like in the last six months, you know, and I, I, I breathe and I, I, I do, you know, a lot of different things to keep myself relaxed. But what advice do you give? I, I don't sleep great. I'll be honest. I don't sleep great. And I know how critical sleep is. Yeah. So when it comes to sleep, I would say it should be considered the same customized approach, just like your food and just like your, your exercise. When it comes to sleep, of course, you know, the general recommendation of seven to nine hours of sleep a night would be great, but we're all human and doesn't always happen. So I think we shouldn't just focus on the quantity of sleep. I think we should also focus on the quality of sleep. And yeah. Just like everything else, when you go to, you know, block off something in your calendar, I think we need to plan ahead when it comes to sleep and trying to keep as much consistency as possible. So some of my biggest sleep tips are trying to keep as much of a consistency Monday through Friday as you do on the weekends and vice versa. When we have a consistency in our sleep Monday through Friday, and then it gets so off whack on Saturdays and Sundays, our body is trying to adjust and we don't get the best quality of sleep, even when we feel like we may. And so keeping that consistency as much as we can within a, within a smaller window of range, I should say, um, would be probably the biggest tip that a lot of people aren't familiar with. The second one would be uh, to making sure that you, when you eat your food and, and yes. you have your dinner, trying to plan that your dinner is ending about two to three hours before bedtime. When you're eating a little too close to bedtime, which it happens sometimes, you know, like we're human, we can't always prevent it. But when you can plan accordingly, your body is able to focus on digestion for those two to three hours. And then it can focus on regeneration for that full night's sleep. Because if we eat right before we fall asleep, sometimes we have to. And if you're hungry, I don't want you to go to bed hungry. So grab that snack. But when we is can that, focus. Is that bad to do? Go to bed? I mean, obviously it's not, it's not great. So, you know, there actually isn't really pretty strong clinical research to show that going to bed with food, like after eating and then going right to bed is harmful for you. There isn't any clinical research to show that, but there is research to show that when you're in bed, you want to give your body the most optimal opportunity for quality of sleep and for regeneration. And when our body is focused on digestion, it can't quite focus as completely on regeneration as we want it to. So that's where, you know, if you need to, it would rather you go to bed with a full belly than go to bed hungry. You kind of have to pick which is more important there. And I would definitely say never go to bed hungry. If you're hungry, genuine, if you're genuinely hungry, please eat. But if you can plan accordingly, being able to give your body that full night's rest of regeneration and not needing to do digestion would be most optimal. And then the last tip I would say, which is a tough one for us is technology. Um, even with the blue light glasses, I mean, there's still some mixed reviews out there and, but if that can help or, or how much it can help, but a lot of people who we look at our, if your alarm clocks on your phone or you're looking at social media right before bed, looking at a screen within an hour of bedtime is clinically proven to alter your sleep and is clinically proven to impact your sleep's quality. And so I would encourage you to try to minimize the, uh, amount of looking at a screen as much as possible. You know, sometimes people will say, oh, I need to have the TV on to fall asleep. You know, 
if that's what your lifestyle is and that's what you want to do, go for it. But if it's possible to play around and try to minimize technology usage within an hour before bed, that's even more optimal. Like last night, I didn't know I'm, I'm staying at my sister's house. I didn't know how to work the TV and I went right to bed. And it was great. So unbelievable. Especially the news. I, never I never watch the news I, before I, bed. <laughs> I never watch the news. Never, because it's always got something bad to say. Yeah. And, and uh, I want you to talk about, like doctors always talk about, like say, for example, we hate the cancer word. I hate the cancer word. I lost my dad to cancer and I lost my wife to cancer. Um, doctors always treat cancer and they treat illnesses, but they don't talk about how do you prevent these things from happening and how important it is to, to, to learn and educate ourselves about prevention, being proactive in life. I'm a huge believer in being proactive a lot versus reactive. Everybody can react, but can you be proactive to make a move, to get off your butt? What do we got to do you know, to be more proactive in our health and what we eat, what we exercise, talk about that. And I know I'm kind of rambling, but this is what I do. But I think you get the point of the question. Yeah. So, you know, just like I mentioned before, I would say I do think that there is a time and a place from the treatment side of healthcare. I mean, no matter how hard we try, genetics do play a part of our health outcomes. And so do some environmental factors that we don't have control over. So there is a time and a place when it comes to the treatment side of healthcare, but I agree that there is not enough of a highlight from the prevention side of healthcare. And when it comes to prevention, regardless of the disease state and regardless of the health outcome, I do believe that going back to those three pillars of fitness and movement and nutrition and how your body regenerates and your mental health and your um, spiritual health and, and your recovery, I think all play a super important role. And so when it comes to the prevention side of healthcare, I would take a step back and ask yourself each in each of those categories. So, you know, if you're sitting and you're listening to this and may, pull out a piece of paper, let's make another list. And I want you to think about fitness and write down everything that you enjoy about fitness, everything that you've currently been doing, you know, what makes you happy. And the same goes for the nutrition and the regeneration categories. And it's important to recognize, just like we said, those three pillars are important, but it's important that they're equally of high quality and not letting two be of high quality and one lagging. So from the prevention perspective, if the first step that you do is try to work on that low hanging fruit, that area of opportunity in one of those three buckets, I would start there from the prevention side. We know that a preventative approach or attempts to prevent something, there's no harm in it. It can only help you. And so even if, you know, God forbid you do have genes and you are predisposed to certain health conditions, let's try to prolong those things coming up or let's try to make that when they do come, they're going to be a lot less aggressive. I know we don't want to talk about the C word. I hate the C word too. We've all had our fair shares of experiences, unfortunately. But when you think about two different health, health statuses, if let's say, breast cancer is a common one. If um, someone is intentionally taking the prevention side to healthcare, and unfortunately, if they're, God forbid, diagnosed with breast cancer, but their body is, you know, in, in good, in good shape. And I don't just mean aesthetically good shape. I mean, like right. they take care of their bodies. They are eating the, the foods that make their body, you know, thrive in a healthy environment. That person is going to have a better experience and most likely a better cancer outcome compared to someone who maybe didn't take care the best care of their bodies. With that being said, you know, that we can have a whole nother episode conversation about that. Unfortunately, people who do take the best care of their bodies still don't win against cancer sometimes. And that is so unfortunate. And I don't want to bring out the negatives, but I do want to talk about like the realistic aspect to it, that there are some things that are not within our control. But if you can do everything that you can do that is within your control, we will definitely have a better and healthier, you know, environment and community compared to, unfortunately, all of the, the craziness that's going on these days when it comes to health and wellness. Thank you for answering a very well thought and, you know, very matter of fact, you know, a lot has to do with genetics, but if we go and make our lists, you know, then, then we're helping ourselves, you know, we're we're trying to increase the odds as much as possible. Totally, exactly. Yeah. And, and I think being able to acknowledge finding the middle ground between what you know you quote, quote, need to do, like, you know, what's important for your, like there's clinically proven research in terms of 
how to exercise and how to take care of your body and what are some good nutritious foods, but then also finding the other side of what do you enjoy and how can we kind of meet in the middle? If you think about a Venn diagram and two circles overlapping, how can we find that middle ground where we are getting in things that your body needs, but we're also able to do it in a way, in a lifestyle that makes the most sense for you and is most enjoyable. Got it. Again, thank you so, so much. Well said. I really enjoyed this hour. Uh, of course. Thank, I'm thank glad we were able so to do much. it. It was so nice to meet you. How did you hear about uh, Can Do and Keto Crisp? Through the RD link. Uh, they had, I don't know if you're a marketing person or whoever put it up. Yeah, um, Haley. There's, yeah, there's a, a website or a company called the RD link. And the goal is to connect um, like healthy lifestyle brands, I think, with registered yeah. dietitians. And so I just happened to see you on there. And so I, I reached out and... It was a quick turnaround. I think I only reached out like a week and a half ago. Do you use, do you recommend the keto uh, lifestyle to folks? So, you know, yes and no, I would say. I think that the keto, any, I don't like to recommend a specific diet or health plan to anybody because everybody comes from a different disease state. And so it's important agreed, to recognize agreed, agreed. that it doesn't work for everybody. But no. I will say that a lot of, in the media, and I don't know if you'll agree that there's a lot of stuff in the media about keto and intermittent fasting and a lot of these like high skill level nutritional diets that people often jump the gun to try without even having the basic understanding of food with carbs, fats, proteins, vitamins, minerals, phytonutrients, and what they all do for your body. So if a client comes to me and is, in, is really excited to want to try the keto diet, I would say, sure, if it's something that really makes you happy and you want to, and you want to give it a go, let's try it. But I think it's so important to recognize that that is a high skill level, let's say nutritional plan. And I would encourage someone to make sure that they have a solid understanding about what carbs do for the body, what fat and what protein does for the body and vitamins, minerals, and phytonutrients and how those are helpful for the body. And then once they've mastered the understanding of that, then we can take it one step further to whatever specific health diet they may want to seek out. Well, I, I love that the, the approach, you could try everything and, you know, See what's enjoyable. See, everybody's body is different. You know, I right. tried counting calories, Weight Watchers, all that stuff. And just so I, it could have been the time in my life when I started the lifestyle, you know, that sparked it. Could have been the diet itself. Could right. Be a myriad of factors. Right. That's actually a really good point. A lot of people will come to me and say, you know, I tried the keto diet or I tried intermittent fasting and I lost X amount of weight. And my first question to them is always, what was your lifestyle before the diet? And it's not, you know, to slap the keto diet in the face by no means or to diminish course, its value. I, you know, I think it's great it's, you're just telling me about it. Yeah, but to ask, like, you know, what was your diet before? Because a lot of times, a good portion of people do the keto diet and love it. And a good portion of people actually do the keto diet and are like dreading it. And I'm like, you know, you don't have to do it to reach your goals. For some people that want to do it, if that's what makes them happy, good. But just because society, it's like a hot and popular discussion these days, that doesn't mean that it has to be the case. You know, like you can enjoy, someone who's not on keto can still enjoy your foods, you still enjoy your snacks and, and you know, go crazy and have that be a part of their daily lifestyle. So I think it's important to recognize like the customized approach and where you need to know how to take care of your body and then do what makes the most sense for you. I think that's great. Again, and, and like I said, Julian, I could chat with you forever. I really appreciate it. I know you got clients to get to. I want to wrap up number one. Well, there's two things. Number one, I want I want our listeners to be able to follow you and how to get in touch with you. And I really, you know, appreciate all your your feedback and guidance and your knowledge and you know, just you really keep it real. And I love that. I wish I could reach through the phone and give you a hug. Um, I, I really enjoyed our, our time today. And uh, how do how do people get a hold of you? How do people follow you? And you know, if you could give your 15 second elevator speech, what would it be? Yes, yeah, sure. So my company's name is Eat Train Love New York City, a play on words with Eat Pray Love. Uh, eat train love because eat because I'm a trainer. I'm I'm sorry, eat because I'm a dietitian, train because I'm a personal trainer, and love because of two aspects. One, I love humans and I love being able to help people on their wellness journey, but also a portion of all proceeds of my company go back into the community. So there's a variety of uh, wellness and uh, charity organizations that I work firsthand with to be able to give back uh, throughout any proceeds that we earn. So 
Eat, Train, Love, New York City is my company name. And then to find me, the Instagram handle is at eat.train.love.nyc. And you can email me at info at eattrainlovenyc.com. And, you know, for my elevator speech, I would say I am a personal trainer, I'm a dietitian and a wellness coach, and I'm on a mission to help you redefine what wellness means to you. That's awesome. Now, in closing, because we are the Can Do Podcast, where life is always about what we can do and focusing on the the gifts that we have and not worrying about the things that we may or may not be able to do through. What is your biggest can-do moment? What are you, you know, most proud of? For me, I'll give you an example. My weight loss journey, I never thought in a million years I could lose 60 pounds. Never, ever, ever. I always wanted to do it. And it's not that I had a bad attitude. I just thought, man, it's going to be so overwhelming to do. So share with me your, your can-do story. Yeah, so I would say I think it's a little bit two parts. One is it took some time to recognize, but being able to apply my own tips and tricks that I tell my clients to myself was huge because it's one thing to tell somebody to do it. And then when you also have to do it, you know, sometimes it, it trips you up, but also some of the you know, most successful wellness coaches are probably the ones that take care of themselves the least because we're always giving, giving, giving. And so I think a huge win for me in reminding myself that my health and wellness is just as important as my clients and being able to make my list and being able to schedule accordingly as much as I can to take care of my own, you know, health and wellness and movement and nutrition is, is a big win for me. I don't know if I mentioned this before, but I actually have lupus. And so I've had some really challenging days and some really awesome days and being able to recognize that every day in our life not are never going to go perfectly I mean we might have you know this epitome of, of what a perfect day could look like and recognizing that we are always just going to do the best we can might wake up and spill my coffee and have a heart attack but you know you just make another cup and we move on and so mm-hmm. being able to recognize that as much as the plot twist and the craziness of life being able to focus on what our body can, our bodies can do and what I can do with my body um, each and every day. Well, I'm so excited. It was so awesome to chat with you. I can't wait to meet you in person. I hopefully we can stay in touch. Hopefully our listeners reach out to you. You guys, she's a wealth of knowledge, number one. Most importantly, she's a great human being. I can already tell that on our our chat. And you listeners out there, please check her out. Jillian, it's so nice to, uh, meet you to get a chance to chat thank you so much enjoy the rest of your day have a great weekend and thanks again thanks for having me it was great to chat with you